0: I want to start off on a good foot, but uh, as you're turning to First Samuel chapter seven, and hopefully you have your Bibles, about a guy that played bagpipe, and he was asked to go and do a service for this man that was homeless there in in Prineville. and and he, like most of us guys, on the way out to the gravesite, he got lost and bullheaded, like most of us guys, didn't ask for help and. And was very late getting there. In fact, when he got there, he looked over and the guys that that do the shovel work were sitting there leaning on their shovels. And the vault was already in the ground. And and he felt so convicted. He said, Lord, I'm going to go play. And I'm going to do it for you. And I'm going to do it for this homeless man. And he took his bagpipe and went over and sat on the bench next to the other guys. And began to play his heart out. And the guy sitting next to him began to weep, and he began to weep as he played Amazing Grace. And he got all done, and he went and got in his car, and he put his bagpipe away, and he overheard one of the guys on the bench say, You know, he says, I've been putting in these septic systems for a long time. I ain't never seen nothing like this. Now, if you didn 't get it and you need help, you know those vaults that go in the ground that are yeah it, it was that that was the situation. First Samuel chapter seven, not too long ago, I was in uh, Buffalo, Wyoming, speaking at a Calvary Chapel there on a sunday morning and i I told that story, and they all just looked at me and I thought, my gosh it 's going to be a long morning, so Let's ask God to bless his word. Father, we thank you so much for each one that's here. And we pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would stir our hearts, Lord. And I pray that you would speak to us, that we would have ears to hear what your spirit has for your church. And we pray for understanding. So, Lord, speak to our hearts. May your word do a work. May you comfort those that need to be comforted encourage those that need to be encouraged and lord we just commit this time to you this morning in jesus name amen i believe as you look around today and especially the news this morning in regards to egypt we're living in the last days we are looking at the return of the lord that he's going to come for his church and god wants to do a work in our lives now to bring you up to date in this passage, the nation of Israel had turned their back on God. They would fallen into blatant idolatry. They worshipped idols. They were under oppression and persecution from the Philistines. They had lost many of their cities as they had gone into the Promised Land under the leadership of Joshua. And they, they, they had turned their back on God. Now, you may have read this passage before. Something interesting happens. They decide to get the Ark of the Covenant and take it out to battle with them. And you may have a cross that you maybe think is something that brings you strength. Or you may have a Bible sitting on your table at home that never gets open, But, but when things get tough, you kind of look and, and see. And that's where they were. They grabbed that, that instrument of religion... Instead of what God wanted with His people was a relationship and a personal relationship with Him. And they found what happened is many lives were taken, they were defeated, and the ark fell into the hands of the Philistines. Well, the Philistines took that ark and they put it in their, their temple of Dagon, and as they put that ark in the temple, they came the next day and there was their God Dagon on its face. They probably went in and thought, Oh my gosh, our God is worshiping the the ark and and, but later they stood it back up and the next day they went in and and here their God was laying on its face with his head broke off and its arms broke off. And God spoke to them, and then their people found themselves in a place that something began to happen. A plague broke out. It's not sure exactly what that plague was, but it speaks of rats. It speaks of tumors, and it may have been those tumors were nothing more than hemorrhoids after having dysentery so bad. But they ended up making these gold images of these tumors in these rats, and they returned the ark because none of them wanted it. We find the ark coming back into Israel at this point. It's been 20 years, and we pick it up in chapter 7. Then the men of Kerjath Jerem came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eliezer his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And so it was that the ark remained in Kerjath Jerem a long time. It was there 20 years. And all of the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. 20 years! 20 years of this oppression. 20 years it took for them to turn in their heart. Now, I looked at that word and I want to challenge you today. I believe our nation is in the same place as the nation Israel. I believe we've found ourselves in a place of oppression. I believe we found ourselves in a place of persecution. We're going through great financial difficulty within this nation. We see the moral values decaying within this country and and escalating every day. And we found our nation in a place of idolatry. Well, they called upon the ark, and the ark turned out to not be exactly what they wanted to call upon. But I went back and looked. In the scripture, the ark, the ark of the covenant, speaks of a covenant between God and the nation of Israel. And you look at Deuteronomy, and all through Deuteronomy, it speaks of this covenant is based on obedience. And it's also based that the nation Israel would be obedient to the word of God. And so the covenant that God had established to bless his people had been broken. I think about our nation today and we think about where we're at today and you look at our nation and we sing the song so often, God bless America. And we want God's blessing upon this nation. But this nation has turned its back on God. There's still a remnant, but we've turned our back on God and there's a tremendous work for the church to do in these last days. There's a shocking statistic, and just as the nation Israel was in this this place of idolatry with the Baals and the Ashtores, which were sensual type gods and idols, the perversity was rampant. I heard that statistic the other day, $13.3 billion a year spent on pornography within the United States of America. More, think about this, more than what it costs for the NBA, the NFL, and all of the baseball industry. More is spent every year to satisfy man's flesh. And we think, my gosh, how can God bless America? I had a couple come into my office last week, and it brings us to that place of reality that we may think that that God's changed, but God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But they came in, and I knew this couple, and, and I knew what their status was. They came to church now and then, and they said, Pastor Mike, we wanted to meet with you, and we want you to do our wedding. And I said, well, marriage is holy matrimony in the eyes of God, and I'm aware that the two of you have, have been living together for quite some time, and yet you want to be blessed with that, that act of holiness before God, that, that covenant agreement before God. And I said, you know, that's, that's not how God is. I said, how could I do that wedding unless you turn to the Lord and get right with God? And that's my heart's desire, that the two of them would turn to God and get right with God. Well, that's where the nation Israel was. And as you look at the latter part of verse 2, it gives you great insight to where their heart was. Look what it says. After 20 years, all the house of Israel lamented in their heart. I thought, well, what does that mean, Lord? And and as I dug into the scripture and I searched it out, that, that word in the original language has a twofold meaning. First of all, they were sorry for their sin. And that, that, that's all of us. Unless there's a sorrow, a godly sorrow for our sin, which leads to repentance, there's never a change. And it's just a hypocritical statement. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Well, we're often sorry we get caught. But God wants us sorry for our sin that we're willing to turn. And that's what this word means. They lamented, they were sorry for their sin. And the second part means they returned and they gathered together before the Lord. And and, and isn't that where God wants us? That's that's what God would speak to our hearts. That's the first thing. And there's four things in verse 3 that I really want you to, to, to glean this morning. And you may have known the Lord many, many years, and maybe your walk's not where it should be today, or you've struggled lately, or maybe you've only known the Lord a week. Whatever the case, God was speaking to His people, and their response first was that change of heart. But then they did this. They returned to the Lord. Isn't that our prayer for our nation today today? Man, we need to be praying for our country. Lord God, help our nation return to you. And as we see this opportunity right before us, we get to see things that no other time in history, what's being revealed today, has taken place. We see all the nations as the book of Ezekiel speaks of surrounding now Israel. And here Egypt borders Israel for many miles. They have several hundred jets. They have ground to surface, ground to air missiles. We've given them billions of dollars of armament. And if it falls into the wrong hands, just as the word of God says, it's the time that these things would take place. And the stage is set for the coming of the Lord. See, the nation has to be, the world has to be in a place that people are distraught, people are suffering, people are hurting in order for the Antichrist to come on the stage to have the answers to restore that people would buy in to all that he will do to deliver the state of the people at that time. It's all happening before us. So maybe God would speak to your heart today, and first he would say, would you return? It starts with the heart. Look at the second thing that happened, and you may want to mark these things in the person's Bible next to you, if you don't mark your own. But there in verse 3, it says, And Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart. See, it's always that issue. God wants our whole heart commitment. God wants us with our whole heart to be committed to him. So, Lord, help me to be a person that returns. And then he says, put away the foreign gods and the Asterisk from among you. So that second thing is, and we live in a place that idolatry can affect us. And you say, well, I don't have any idols in my house. Well, you may not have any idols in your house, but the way it's spoken of in idolatry, it's anything that we might put before God. Anything that that is more important to us than our relationship with God. And so they needed to take action. So not only were they in a place of returning to the Lord, but then they needed to respond with obedience in their life. They needed to take that action. And then look at the third thing that's spoken of there. It says then, it says, prepare your hearts for the Lord. I looked that up. I thought, well, what does it mean to prepare your heart for the Lord? First, I'm to return to Him. Then I'm to be in a place that I I get rid of the idols within my life. And I really seek first the kingdom of God. But to prepare your heart means it's a choice of, of allowing God to cleanse your heart as you fellowship with Him. It's that process of walking with The Lord having close fellowship with God. And where does that, if I could ask you today, where does close fellowship with God come from? Does it come from attending church? Does it come from uh, sacrifices you make in your life? Where does really that, that close fellowship with God come? Preparing your hearts. It comes from spending time in the Word of God. It comes from our devotional life. And I want to encourage you right now. One of the most important things you can do is be a person that's in the Word of God. And I share that with an urgency because we live in times that Jesus spoke of. Paul spoke of, John spoke of, Peter spoke of, and they said in the last days many would be deceived. False teachers will arise, and I see people today buying into all kinds of half-truths. We need the whole counsel of God, and if we're going to prepare our heart before the Lord, we need the Word of God. You need to come to church with your Bible. You need to find a Bible that that really works for you, that you can get familiar with, that your life's governed by the Word of God. I have couples come in that are struggling in their marriage, and the first thing I share with them, are you praying together? Are you in the word together? And you may be in that place today and say, man, I I knew I should have stayed home. See, I can say anything I want, and then I'm leaving. So really, you don't have to like me. You know, you can leave and say, you know, that guy was really old, gray-haired, and I really didn't like him. Where's our young pastor? Well, you don't have to like me, but I want to share the truth with you. And I share with couples that come in, if you will pray together, if you will read the Word of God together and spend time just giving God that devotion, God will begin to draw the two of you together as you draw close to the Lord. And and those couples that come in that really want to restore their marriage, I'll tell them, just give me one week. Do that for a week they'll come in and I'll say, did you follow the instruction? They said, we did. How are you doing? We're doing better. I said, okay, now step two, are you ready? Another week. Step three, another week. If I get them three weeks praying and in the word together, God's so working in their life that their lives are changing. Their lives are being transformed. So it's that devotion. It's that walking with the Lord is what Samuel instructs him. That third area, prepare your heart. And then the next area, if you look there in verse 3, what it says, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. Well, What's that mean? Serve him only. It means serve the Lord your God. Now, That's God's desire, that when we come to Christ, and if you know Christ today, and he's your Savior, what a blessing. But he also wants to be the Lord of your life. That you would be in that place of saying, Lord, I want to serve you. And and so the nation of Israel, and you can make notes, you people that study the word, there in Deuteronomy 28, there's a whole chapter. And the first half of the chapter is the blessing of obedience. The latter half of the chapter is the cursing of disobedience, but it has two real nuggets right in the middle of what's taking place. And it deals with serving God. It says there in Deuteronomy 28, and I want to share that with you because it's become a life verse for me. It says in Deuteronomy 28, it actually calls two things out. It's speaking of the curses in verse 45, and it says, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you're destroyed. And then, here it is, the first because. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. And then the second because is in verse 47, and that's exactly what Samuel's saying. In these four things, he's asking the people to respond to. He says this, and this is one of the verses that I hold so dear to my heart, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. I want to challenge you today in a very special area in serving the Lord. God's called us to serve him. God's called us to serve him. And the exciting thing is, is when you find that area that God's called you to serve, there'll be tremendous joy. There'll be tremendous joy in your life because there's nothing greater than serving God. And and for me we had our men's conference last Saturday. We had we had a really great group of guys. We worshiped the Lord. We had our conference and and I had acquired and borrowed this steel drum. I don't know if you've ever seen it. They're round and they have the different notes on them and 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 the different places you hit make the different tones. And, and I practiced on this. I had a little drum handle, and I practiced because I wanted to open up the conference with when the saints go marching in. dun dun, 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 dun. And I worked at it, and I had all the notes down, and I had it down, and then the worship team was going to come in with the drums and, and the guitars, and I failed miserably. I missed the notes. I had another chance Sunday morning at both services Sunday morning and I blew it again. I'm starting to get a complex when I'm up there in the worship team singing. They shut my microphone off. It's just not where I've been called to serve God. No matter how hard I tried, I, I got the wrong note. Now if nobody was there, man, it was just right. But under the pressure Under the pressure, I just crumbled and and, and everybody laughed. And, And God spoke to my heart and He gave me just such a neat illustration. When we function in the gift and serve God in the area that He's called us to, it's so much fun. It's such a great joy for me to be able to come and to minister to you as a church and encourage you that God's called you to find a place to serve Him. That's how God was speaking to the nation of Israel, that they would return to the Lord, that their heart would be right with God. They'd be in that place that it's great joy to serve God. And people say in in Klamath Falls, because we're a small community as well, uh, I have a wonderful reputation of having a smile on my face. Because I love what God's done in my life. He saved me out of the pit. He delivered me from a life of emptiness that that was never satisfied with all the things of the world. And he took somebody of no value, with no hope, and no future. In fact, in high school, I don't tell a lot of people this, but they had that thing in high school. And I remember some things. I can't remember all the teachers. But I remember in high school when you got your annual. You remember? And you signed the annual, and they had all the pictures in it. I'm not kidding you. They had pictures of those most likely to be successful, mine was in there least likely to succeed. <laughs> they gave me a diploma because they said, This guy's too much trouble. We need to get him out. Give him his diploma. We don't want to see him anymore. And I pursued the things of the world and I was left empty inside. Now, as God's worked in my life and I came to the Lord in 1976 in August. Uh, At Melody Land, which used to be the largest bar in Southern California, was converted into a Christian worship center. That's where I got saved, in that worship center. Started going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa in 1976. And we used to go and drive an hour and a half to get a seat. And we'd have to sit on the floor because they'd be out of chairs. Just to hear the word of God. And it hasn't changed. And that joy comes from knowing the word of God, that God has a plan and a future and a hope for us. No matter what you're going through right now, God is able. And God is going to get us through just as a nation Israel. And something happened here in this passage that's so important. They responded to God. Look what it says. It says there that they, they, so the children of Israel, after Samuel told them these things, verse 4, so the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. There was true repentance within their heart. They said, man, we need to turn. We need to serve God. And then Samuel said, gather all of Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. Wow, what a response. They're going to come to the Lord. They're all responding and coming to the Lord in that step of power is prayer. That step as I came today and saw the guys in there praying before the service that God by the power of his spirit would use his word and use the worship to draw you into that closer walk with the Lord that you might know him in a personal way. That's powerful. And Samuel began to pray for them so they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. I love that. That means they worshiped God. And you live in the, in the farm area just as I do. And, and, and in, the, in the hot summer days, and I'm sure it might have been a warm day if that was the case. But usually the ground is dry and they poured this water into the ground. Once it's poured out, you can't get it back. It was a commitment of total surrender to God. And they poured out their life symbolically before the Lord. And that's what God wants. He wants us to pour out our life before him. He wants us to be totally committed to the Lord. And God is working in the hearts of his church today because there's a work to do. People need Jesus. So we see it there as he speaks to them, they gathered together, they fasted and they said that day, we have sinned against the Lord. They confessed before God, we've sinned against the Lord. They didn't try to remedy their situation with religion, they acknowledged their sin. Man, we need to do that, Lord help me, I fall short, I I have areas in my life that daily I need that hand of forgiveness upon my life. And then the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mezpah. The lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Wow. What happens when we surrender our life to God? You know, it's an act of worship. That This morning, as I saw people lifting their hands, it speaks of of surrender. That's what it speaks of. And you can surrender to the Lord with lifting your hands or not lifting them. But what it speaks of, so you understand it, is, is a soldier would never lift his hands because the only place his armor didn't protect was there under his arms, and it opened up his heart and his vitals. They never lift their arms. But when we come to the Lord, it, it's symbolic. As we, we lift our arms, we're saying, Lord, I'm, I'm surrendering to you. I can't do it on my own, Lord. I'm struggling in my life and in my walk and all that I'm going through. And I, I just want to surrender to you. Just be careful you're not driving, as you may lift your hands. But being in that place that we totally surrender to God. And isn't that where God, they were in that place and they said, Lord, we're afraid. Well, when you make a commitment to follow Jesus, what happens? The enemy shows up, doesn't he? The enemy shows up and he wants to rob you. You go through that, and yet you need to stand fast in the Lord. And so they they cried out to Samuel. And in turn, Samuel cried out to the Lord as their priest. He was a prophet. He was a priest. They cried out to the Lord. Samuel then cries out to the Lord. And I want to challenge you to do a study in the Word of God on those who cried out to the Lord and see if God didn't respond. God responds to those that cry out to Him. Because when you cry out to the Lord, it's obviously from your heart. When you reach that point, they were afraid. And God gave them deliverance. God blessed them. And the enemy, as they were there, God allowed thunder to confuse them. And God gave the nation Israel victory. And then it goes on in that very passage. Listen to this. It goes on to say, and God restored many of the cities that had been taken by the Philistines. Don't miss that. It also says in that end of that chapter that God gave them peace. Isn't, is, isn't that a picture of God, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, and God being a God of restoration? And no matter where you're at, Today, No matter what place you've been in, if you will find yourself in a place of returning to the Lord, lamenting with your heart, getting rid of those areas of idolatry within your life, and just surrendering to walk with the Lord, just say, Jesus, I want to abide in you and walk with you, and I want to serve you. And then allow him to so work in your heart that you would serve him with joy and gladness of heart. I want to tell you, obviously, this ministry, this church, has faithful servants. You look at how clean it is. You look at how neat it is. It's pleasant to come into the house of the Lord. Uh, One of the elders this morning, or one of the deacons or elders, or I call them overseers or servants, uh, I looked down and I'm kind of a detailed person at our church as well. And there was a thread on the carpet and he reached over and picked it up. And I thought, wow, isn't that awesome? That's serving the Lord with joy and gladness of heart. And I don't think he knew or saw anybody was looking that we would serve the Lord. We'd find that area. Maybe it's those uh, food bags, you know, for the homeless. We did that at our ministry. In fact, we, we did so many that we gave one to every person in the church to have in their car, not to eat when they got hungry. But they could if they were stranded. But it had socks and it had a kerchief and a stocking hat and had snacks and a gospel track and and we gave out and the, and the incredible thing is that we would just pray and look, Lord, how would you use me to encourage somebody? How can I serve you in the gifts that you've called me to serve, Lord? Are there needs within the church? There's things that I really enjoy. We at our church, there's a couple guys that do carpentry. I didn't know it, but they built a brand new pulpit and communion table. Beautiful. That's their gifts. And they were so excited. And other people, maybe it's serving with the little ones. I walked through the hall this morning and was able to to see where the real work of the ministry comes is those taking care of our children, teaching them the word of God. And we're living in times that God is challenging us. And here's the key. He restored them. He's a God of restoration, and he gave him peace. And when we begin to return to the Lord, we find ourselves turning away from the things that we place before God, those idols. We find ourselves in that very place of walking with the Lord and having a devotional life with him, and then we begin to serve God. Charles Spurgeon used to do something really interesting. He was a great preacher historically. a very large church. They would be praying down in the basement, hundreds of them, for the services. But he would take the guys that just came to the Lord and they would become ushers, greeters. He'd get them serving God right away. And so I think we can find places within the church to serve God. But the greatest area of service that God has for you and I was found in the book of Acts as he poured out his Spirit upon the church. He said, go and be a bold witness to share the gospel because there's people that desperately need to be set free from the bondage of sin. I I came through the town and I thought, man, there's a lot of people here, just as with Klamath, that need Jesus. And if we will let our light shine and we will walk with the Lord and we'll follow these things that God encouraged his people, he'll restore you. He will prepare you. He will bring peace into your life, and you'll get to see people come to Christ. There's no greater joy. There's no greater joy than to see God turn people's hearts that were desperate and empty without hope and bring them into a place that they have a hope with the living God because of Jesus. See, it's all about Jesus, and when you begin to serve God, and I want to share this this morning in closing. When you begin to serve God, you realize that you're the tool in the hand of God. I don't know how many of you have had surgery or something like that. How many of you have went to the doctor after your surgery and say, Hey, Doc, uh, can you tell me what, what was the brand of that scalpel you used to cut me open? When was it sharpened last? You'd never do that you'd go to the doctor and you'd say, you know what, thank you for the job you did. And God is looking for us to be a tool in His hand to bring glory to Jesus Christ, our God and our Savior, and that we would be that tool of honor, that vessel of honor for the Lord. He wants to use each one of you. Give Him that opportunity. Drawn near to him. And I love what Jesus said, abide in me and I in you and your joy will be full. It's an awesome place to be. We live in incredible times that God wants to use us. Be available. Make yourself available to him. Prepare your hearts. Serve the Lord. And may we see the coming of the Lord. It's happening. It's happening all around us. And as we see our nation and people hurting, what greater opportunity do we have than to lead them to Jesus, the living God? Amen? Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this passage of your people, the nation of Israel, Lord, returning to you. And I pray that we would think about that this morning. Lord, would you help us as your children today to return to you and Lord may it be with a heart that laments Lord God please we're so sorry for the sin of our our, our country and the place we live and Lord I pray that uh, those that maybe are caught in sin today that the gentleness of your Holy Spirit would just come and speak to their hearts that you desire Obedience that you desire us to love you and to serve you, and that we would just lay those things aside that might so easily ensnare us, Lord, that we might just come as the nation did. Lord, why did it take 20 years? Why had they turned their back on you? And yet, Lord, your grace, your mercy, your love was drawing them back. And Lord, I pray that we would apply your word to our hearts. And right now, we as a church, we want to pray right now for those that might be here that don't have that hope. They don't know where they're going to spend eternity. They're not sure. And maybe that's you this morning. I want to give you opportunity right now between you and God. That's where it's at that you would have that opportunity just to tell him today if he spoke to your heart just tell him Lord God I want to turn I want to turn from the sin that that holds me Lord just as it held the nation Israel in a place of oppression I want to turn away from that I want to return to you I want to open my heart to you Jesus the living God that shed your blood on the cross at Calvary as payment in full for all of my sins. I just want to turn to you today. I want to ask you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord, and I believe this very day that you died and you rose. You, Jesus, the creator of the universe, the living God, and I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness that I just received by opening my heart to you. Lord, help me to serve you. And Father, for this church, this ministry that's so blessed to have a a pastor and his wife that love you with all of their heart, that serve you, Lord, because they love you. Would you draw those around them to serve with them? Help them to find the very place that they could serve you with great joy and fulfillment. That it wouldn't be a burden, Lord, but we would serve you with joy and gladness of heart. And so, Lord, do that work, I pray, within this facility, this church, each of us, Lord. Help us to make a difference in these last days. Help us to be that bold witness, not only through the words we say, but how we live. So, Lord God, we praise you and we thank you. Help us to be worshipers, Lord, that we seek first your kingdom. Do that work that only you can do, Lord. We pray through the power of your spirit. And just as Peter said, Lord, may we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, you, Jesus, and to you be the glory both now and forever. Amen.